just to remind you that we're um, doing mindfulness of breathing, in case you've forgotten. Um, we're on the Anapanasati Sutta. We're going through the 16 steps, um, which is really the second part in the sutta, after the prologue. The 16 steps are working with the body, mental activities, qualities of mind, and then liberating insights. And we just did the four parts of the body, knowing a long breath, short breath, the whole body, and then calming body activities. The next group of four is working with mental activities. And so what we just did, <clears throat> you now know how to do it. You long breath, short breath, getting to know your breath, becoming aware of the body, and then inviting the whole uh, physical body to be at peace, to be at rest. So uh, you can do that as much as you want. And then the sutta turns into mental activities. It's called uh, citta sankharas, where citta is the realm of the mind and the heart. The mind and the heart are experiences pervading the body. So you can actually feel awareness down at your toes. It's because there's some quality of heart and mind that's actually... Um, is permeating our physical body, but there also is a more of a sense of the, the heart-mind space being up in our chest and our head area with some permeation down our limbs and into our, um, our legs. Um, the citta sankara is the word sankara, again, is the, um, the habits of doing. So you can have really pleasant, positive doings you can have fearful doings, you can have um, angry doings, these habits that take us over and they just keep one after another arising, often not causing a lot of, or allowing a lot of peace inside. And so once we get the physical body to be at rest, you'll find that the mental activities are also a little bit more at rest. When the body is agitated, often the mind is agitated. You can calm the body down by calming the mind down. You can also calm the mind down by calming the body down. And this progression, first we calm the body down, and you'll find that when the body's not um, agitated, there's a little bit more con physical contentment, and it usually takes the, the mind out of its um, most agitated state that doesn't like physical pain. So if there's actually relaxation in the body, the mind tends to relax some, but then you'll find that the mind is still wandering, it's still planning, it's still doing, it's still remembering, it's still got plenty to do. And I was amazed when I was doing this practice in Burma for a year, it just wouldn't run out of things to do. <laughs> and I basically gave it a whole year to run out of things to do. And I thought it would run out of things to do weeks into being in Burma, just sitting in a cabin, nothing to do but laundry once a week, hand laundry, and I only owned four sheets <laughs> of my robes and maybe a few extra things. It's like there was not much to do. And it built solar-powered monasteries <laughs> that were geothermically heated during the winter. I was like, oh my God, stop, stop, stop. But it's too beautiful to stop, don't you see? And I was like, oh God, stop. And it was just like, nope, nope, not gonna stop. And it just kept going. And then it kept regurgitating old things to do. And sometimes I would just have to grab a paper and write everything down 
because my mind, it's, what if you forget? What if you forget? And it's like, it's so exhausted with the doings of the heart and the mind, the doings and doings of the memories, the plans, the future, the analysis of this and that, and how does an atom work? And why do we drive on this side of the road versus that side of the road? It's like, it's almost like being with like a three-year-old. It's just like, it's so excited by everything. How does it work? How does it work? How does it work? And it, it just didn't, I was, I mean, I was really astounded. It didn't get tired of itself. I got tired of it pretty quickly, but it didn't get tired of thinking one more thought, of generating more plans, more to-do lists, more things I was going to do with my future, more things I had to understand about my past. And it's exhausting. So you have these mental activities, and they feel so important in this context, but out of this context, it just keeps going. It doesn't need this context to be fueling itself, it somehow is self-perpetuating. But when we get caught up in our lives, we think it's actually really important. We think our to-do lists are really barely holding us together. <laughs> but it's doing all that that actually causes so much dissatisfaction, but we get swept up in it. So calming the heart and the mind the body down, and then beginning to work with mental activity. So. That's what these next four steps are. So there's four groups of four. So one of the things you can do, when the body actually becomes a little bit more calm, a little more open, one really interesting strategy is to just to like look at all the energy, all the mental energy and all the physical energy. When the body relaxes, it doesn't relax into still water. It doesn't relax into like stationary rock, there's still all this pulsing and tingling and vibrating. You invite the body to be perfectly still and all you feel is a buzz of vitality. It's not as coarse as everyday life. So sometimes when the first the body relaxes, you go, oh, it's so much better than all this coarse activity. But then when the body gets really, really still and you become intimate with the body, your nerve endings are still firing and they're still pulsing of your heart and there's still energy exchange and food exchange and there's all this activity, all this bodily activity that you have invited to be calm, but there's still all this vitality buzzing. The mind also is buzzing. And so you go into sort of, let's enjoy this. Let's take the lightness. Let's take this energy and experience the flow of this energetic vitality in the body, in the heart, and the mind and see if we can actually begin to turn it into something pleasant, positive, something riding this wave of energy, this vitality. So you calm the body down and then you just um, invite delight, delight in the mind, delight in the body, delight in all this vitality. In our tradition, the Pali tradition is called piti. It's very close to what other traditions might call chi or prana. Prana in the body, chi in the body, prana in the mind, chi in the mind. Um, it tends to, your body either can be coarse and stuck, or this energy can be in motion. And this motion of physical energy, emotional energy, mental energy, is what we call piti. And it gets translated in, in different ways, depending on what nuance of piti um, people like. But PT for me is very much what happens when I drink um, caffeinated drinks. 
I go from sort of a, a tired, more like heavy state to where my fingers are tapping, my mind's tapping, and I can kind of, just, there's just a lot of aliveness that's been liberated. <coughs> so you tune into that. You invite the body to be relaxed, but then you can tune into all the vitality. You invite the heart and the mind to be calm and relaxed. But there's still this stream of activity, and you tune into the, the light, quick-moving, interesting, uplifting qualities. And it's very awakening, it's very refreshing when you tune into the positive vitality that's coursing through you. And it's better than turning your attention to this chronic neck pain that you have that you'll never get rid of, it defines you, keeps you from really enjoying life. You could do that and watch your whole mind kind of get dreary. Or you can move over to your fingertips and feel all the buzz in your, in your hands and your feet. As you do that, you start to find it all over. Once you tune into it where it's most obvious, you find PT everywhere. And it's, it's going around all these stuck places. All these chronic pains are actually, there's all this vitality flowing around them. And you're actually more of a body made of PT than of a body made of pain or heaviness or you know, whatever you normally define yourself by. So you tune into PT in the body, you tune into PT in the mind, this creative, dynamic, zesty, uh, delighted acti uh, activity of mind. So you experience that, you tune into it, and you deepen your intimacy there, and you can do a lot of this. You, know, you don't have to rush through these steps, you actually can really develop them. Um, so really develop a uh, relationship to this vitality Then upon experiencing all this vitality, then you can tune into contentment. So there's all this buzz happening, but it couldn't happen unless there was also a larger peaceful sphere. So all of us could be running around this room dancing, that would be the PT, but that there's space enough for all of us to do that and not run into each other. Then you can tune into things that actually begin to guide the mind into a more settled state. Which is, an, again, the strategy here is really interesting. You don't go right to calming the mind, because then we just sort of calm down into dullness, calm down into depression, calm down into a type of tranquility that was sort of turning off the mind, dreary, making the mind dreary. You first get it into this enthusiastic state. You, do, you settle back more into this uh, more spacious relaxation around all this vitality. That's the second part, turning into what's called sukha. The root of sukha is the same as our root for sugar. The SU of sukha is the same as the SU of sugar, Indo-European languages. And so it's that sweetness. You, just, you tune into sweetness. First vitality, the buzz. Then it's a settling back and finding contentment. So this is a tradition that really loves suffering. <laughs> put it right on the first noble truth, but here in the middle of this training is actually delight and happiness and training in it, experiencing it, deepening your intimacy with it, so you have a better relationship to the suffering as it comes. It doesn't, it's not all that you experience. You're going to have a more mature insight into the nature of dukkha, the opposite of sukha, when you actually have some baseline contentment in you. And so this is part of the training. Mental activities, 
experiencing this delightful energy, the settling, contentment, training yourself in how to experience both of those and move between them. And then from that place of contentment, you then say, what is all this mental activity? What is, what is it all? Okay, here are plans, here are resentments, here's a to-do list, here's this you know, creativity, here are all these questions I have. Well, there's a lot of mental activity. You're gonna be able to see it more clearly. If you're in it, it's just turbulent. You go to the PT, you come to the sukha, and from the basis of sukha, you then begin to become aware of what's going on with all of this mental activity. What is it? What's going on? And then calming the mental activity. There's, there's genius here. There's genius here. So you know a long breath and a short breath to give your mind a starting place to basically calm down and enter your body. Then you know your body and then you calm your body. You don't go right into calming your body because that's just enforced thing. You enter the body through the breath, you know the body, you calm the body. Here we're entering piti and sukha, delight, contentment. Then we know the mind. Then we invite the mind to be calm. It's like giving your kids um, safe things to play with when they have dangerous things to play with versus just snatching it out of their hands. So you're letting, you're guiding the mind into giving up all of its activities because it's content. You give it contentment, then you understand mental activity, then you relax mental activity. I don't need my to-do lists. If this moment is not such a great moment, it's, I'm gonna wander. It's gonna be hard to stay with this present moment. But if I've actually cultivated some contentment, then I get perspective on why my mind is so active. Then when I go to let go, it's gonna be deeper. I'm really gonna let go of the past, really gonna let go of the future much more fully than if I just walk in there and shake my finger and say, let go, let go of the past, let go of the future. So this is the strategy. This is the guidance of these 16 steps. Knowing PT, knowing Sukha. From there, having a much better perspective on your mental activity from a basis of, I'm content here and now. Why am I so preoccupied by this dinner party tomorrow? I'm content here and now. Why do I want to keep going back to the third grade when they teased me? I'm content here and now. Why is my mind still so turbulently active? You're going to have a more, um, you're going to have more perspective. If you don't have contentment and your mind is active, you're going to be sucked into the activity looking for contentment. But if you find the contentment that's available here and now and then look at the mind, you're going to have more perspective on the activities and what they're pursuing. So that when you calm mental activity, you can actually calm what it's looking for. These, these activities are looking for happiness elsewhere. But because you have found happiness here, you can let go on a deeper level. That's the strategy of these four. Does anybody have a clarifying question on that? Just make sure I'm, I haven't lost you all on that. Can you see the genius? <laughs> wow, the Buddha over there. Yeah. So knowing the mental activities, um, 
you're with your breath, your mind wanders, you let it go, you're with your breath. Your mind wanders, you let it go, you're with your breath. You develop contentment here and now, and then your mind wanders, and it's like, where are you going? Why are you going there? And then you can use a little bit of analysis, but it's, it's deeper when it, you have some momentum of mindfulness to sort of watch your mind tell a story, watch it create a problem, watch it create solutions to problems it's created. If you can actually watch it, it's so instructive to how your mind worries. Like, you don't stress out about my parents. <laughs> so your mind rarely wanders to my parents, right? <laughs> but it will wander to your parents and if I met them, they'd probably be very lovely people, and I probably wouldn't wander much to your parents, but you wander to your parents. You wander to your housemates, to your coworkers, to your neighbors. You wander in these places. So you don't have to sit like a, like a therapist and try to like figure out, why would I wander to that? Well, it must be because of this. That's a little bit too like chess, I'm trying to figure out all the moves of it. It's a much more experiential, where's this mind going? But if, you, if you're turbulent, you'll get sucked in, you won't have much perspective. So first, contentment in the body, the sukha contentment, more in the realm of the internal realm, sense of contentment. From that, when the mind wanders, it's like, what are you looking for? What's down that rabbit hole? Why are we, why are we way over there? Because that's where the happiness is. Really, that's so far away. It's actually not so bad here. But if you're not feeling that much contentment here, it's like, actually, that sounds pretty good. You know, I don't think I should have come here today. I should have gone there. You'll chase, you'll chase your mind down all these avenues. But to find sukha in the body, which is really that calming the body opens up to physical sukha, then finding sukha in the heart and the mind, then perceiving your mental activity, and you'll find that they've come down a lot. You'll have more chance at seeing them. So don't rush through this. It's not like... First one to 16 get wins. <laughs> that type of attitude tends to actually get stalled in mental activity. So calming mental activity down. Um, it's just riper if you allow these stages to ripen, which is why uh, it's a continual deepening. All 16 steps, we keep going through them, we keep deepening, we keep deepening, we keep deepening. Just a, a question about that shift from perceiving to calming yeah and so i found for myself uh, i can i can kind of see the thoughts and i can get some perspective on them but then the calming to me denotes some sort of intervention either like abandon that unhelpful thought or and, and yeah. there, I, I, you know it's like how do you like, get sucked into the river you know right and how, how do you actually calm the mental activity yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I first began, there was a, I, I couldn't help but have a coach, and I was coaching myself out of my mental activity. And I would listen to the teachers, and I was like, wow, I don't know if I could do that. Let me see if I could try that. It's like, no, you really don't need to go into the past. But, 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 but it's so juicy. It's like, uh, let's try not. Let's see what that's like. And so I would have an inner dialogue, and that would loosen. And I did that for a long time. After a while, it was almost more like, I'd done it so many times, I was like, passed. And I already know, like, oh yeah, passed. 
Oh yeah, 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 future. Yeah, present. This is like, just seeing it would kind of take the wind out of it. But it took a, it took a lot of knowing it to where it's just, there really is no, unless, unless I smell the smoke and feel the heat, I'm not on fire. And I don't really need to respond to anything this mind's throwing up as a problem. It's like, no smoke, no heat, I'm good. We're good. No actual things hurting me, we're good. But the past, if you really understood it, if you'd said that to that person at that time, that argument would have gone, it's like, no. Nah. And it's just gotten easier to let go. There's less, it's not as sticky. But at first it took a lot of like, really? Like, and my first couple of retreats I loved. And I was like, finally I have 10 days to think everything through. <laughs> And it's like, that's not what they're telling you to do. It's like, yeah, that's what I seem to want to do. And it's just easier to do that. Yeah. Um, how about when the thought of the past elicits a sensation in the present? Because so much of our history really exists within the structure and so on. Right. When we get into the four foundations of mindfulness, there's a lot more... Those, the four foundations of mindfulness are, are constructed to use mindfulness to um, open a lot of wisdom. These first 12 steps, you need wisdom coaching, but they're really to, to purify the strain and, the, and the, um, the agitation that we're in. The first 12 steps in these 16 are sort of calming the nervous system, calming the body. Then you're more likely to see those connections and those are very instructive. But if you haven't calmed your nervous system down, um, you're, you, you just don't tend to get very, it's just not, it doesn't translate. The insights are kind of, they're, they're more scattered. So we'll, we're getting to, to those and those are really important. And if you're already getting them, that's great. You wouldn't throw them away. But it's possible that if you spend more time settling you're going to feel more of that reverberation and then the insights are much more evocative than just intellectual ahas that don't translate to much liberation. So these are the, this is the second group of four. This is working with what's called chitta sankaras, mental activity, um, delight, contentment, perceiving the mental activity, and then calming the mental activity. And that allows us to go to the third set of four, which we're going to practice in just a second, or probably a minute. The third grouping of the 16 are developing qualities of mind. And the word here is chitta. And chitta is just as easily translated into heart as it is to mind. We tend to, English doesn't, English splits those two and they don't split that in Pali. So once the mental activity is calmed down, <clears throat> the next step is actually quite subtle. But you're looking more at the atmosphere of your heart and mind more than its activities. So this, because you all have some experience and practice, you might be able to intuit this. But if you haven't, this might not seem like, it must, getting these two as, as different might be uh, confusing. So <clears throat> the analogy that worked for me just to hold the information was that if you have a, a fish tank 
if the fish are swimming around, the water is going to be stirring. You can't get the water into a calm state if the fish are still active. But the fish, you stop banging on the glass, and <laughs> they stop chasing each other. The fish calm down, the water calms down. The mind and the heart space is not the content of the heart and the mind. I'm angry at you, that's content, that's mental activity. But the heat and the broiling nature, that's maybe slightly anxious and depressive. All those tastes are tastes of heart and mind. That's different than the activity. They're very related to the activity, but the activity has more content in it. The actual heart and mind, when we begin to bring mindfulness and work on the heart and the mind, it's more the atmosphere of the heart and the mind than its content. So with that, these next, <clears throat> these next four stages, we've gotten mental activity to calm down to some degree and hopefully to a large degree. You begin by perceiving the mind itself. And that could be extremely esoteric. What is the mind? But right now, how many of you are experiencing the most rage you've ever felt? <laughs> so how do you know that, that you're not experiencing rage? Well, maybe you're not used to asking that question because you're just not. But you actually could, what's it like not to experience rage? Well, you're starting to bring mindfulness, mindful intimacy into what it's like to not be with rage. Well, where's that information? Is it on your watch or your cell phone? Does your neighbor have it and telling you in your ear? How do you know what mood you're in right now? You have, you have access to that. And really, you're doing it all day long, but usually more um, as a maintenance to the side. You start looking at what's the quality of heart and mind that I have now? Again, before any intervention towards what would you would rather have, you just begin to perceive the qualities of heart and mind that are present. Is it, do you feel spacious or cramped? Do you feel pressurized? Do you feel scattered? Is your mind scattered and then causing scattered activity, which is mental activity? Is the mind itself in kind of a, an open, peaceful, relaxed state? Is it agitated? Is there anger moving through it? Um, is it easily irritated? Is it um, loving? Is it pace, patient? You begin perceiving the mind space itself space of heart and mind. I'll go through these through and then we'll open up for just some, some questions about that. But really it'd be better if we experienced it. So <laughs> we'll describe it, talk about it a sec, we'll practice it and then talk about it more. So perceiving the mind. And again, it's hard to perceive the mind when the mind is so full of activity. Hard to perceive the heart when you're really caught up in the activity. So calming that down gives you more chance to really begin to feel the nature or the, the qualities of heart and mind that are present. Then we gladden the heart and mind. So this is the first intervention. You know what's happening and then see if you can invite it into not necessarily a tranquil state. Again, this is more sort of a um, making sure there's, there's energy flowing and this word gladdening is somewhere between sukha and piti. Sukha is very calm. Piti is very up. 
we're gladdening the space. And so <clears throat> the way I can gladden the space is I could practice loving kindness and then look around. I could reflect upon the beauty of all your choices to be here. And I go from, yeah, I'm here and enjoying your company. Like, wow, I'm actually really glad to be here. This is a good space to be in. There's contentment, but there's also a little bit of a lift. So you start intervening on your heart and mind space, gladdening it. Once it's glad, <laughs> once it's in this gladdened state, then we begin to unify the direction of attention towards something specific. And there are many, many places to concentrate the mind. You can concentrate on the breath, which is recommended in this sutta. But you can also concentrate your attention on loving kindness, on compassion, on different mental images. But here it would be, again, gladden the heart space of the mind and then see if you can bring that gladdened attention to be just with the breath. And you'll find that rather than through willpower, sticking your attention on the breath until you finally get to some deep concentration, but working through these stages and steps, then when you go to put your attention on the breath, you're not fighting all the places the mind would rather be. At this point, the breath is like a pillow and you've kind of, you're glad to be in bed, but it'd be better with a pillow. And you find the pillow and you're like, ah, the pillow. So gladdening the mind is like getting into bed and concentrating is like putting your head on that pillow. It's just perfect. So when the heart and mind are glad, then you go to focus your attention exclusively somewhere on the breath, for example, and you find that the mind is so content, it doesn't care about the past, doesn't care about the future. It's not fighting all these places it would rather be. It's quite content to be here and now. And that's where concentration really begins to deepen into um, these absorptions, absorbed states. When your mind does begin to know this type of um, peace and wholeness, you then recognize, you don't just sort of um, receive this experience, you begin to appreciate it. My mind is released in this state. It's not, it's not perfectly enlightened, but boy, is it sure released from its discontent, its resentments, its fears, its agitated obsessions. In this place of concentration, there's this release of all this samsaric turbulence. And so you, it's good to acknowledge that. It deepens the state of concentration to appreciate it and to recognize that this state is whole and complete. The breath can be as whole and complete as any experience you've ever had falling in love or the greatest vacation of your life, the best dinner, any, anything, it all pales in comparison to the breath when you've dropped in on a certain level. That's what releases, releasing the mind from all of its attachments, um, all of its preferences. You have to kind of get there to concentrate the mind, but then appreciating the concentration is a further release of everything that's waiting for you to come out of concentration so you can go get it. It's 
like, okay, you've been in concentration long enough, but you haven't really released all those things that are just waiting for you. So you release them. It's a more, it's like a deeper act of faith. Um, to just let your contentment come from breathing. So these are the, the next two groups. The first was working with the body. Next was working with mental activity. Once mental activity begins to quiet down, it doesn't have to go all the way quiet, but as it gets more quiet, then we work on the internal space of the heart and the mind. We perceive what's happening. We gladden the space of the heart and the mind. We begin to give it a more exclusive focus. And then we recognize that, that, that we are released from um, these deep turbulence that come to us in everyday life. I want to practice, but unless somebody's so confused that they can't practice, <laughs> I a question might be helpful. But if you're willing to, um, it'd be great just to sort of guide you through this practice because the questions will be more intuitive afterwards. So anybody have a burning question that would help them? Yeah. Um, managing physical pain? Yeah. Yeah, physical pain is always a challenge. And what we have to do is we just have to grow our, we have to slowly grow a container of our hearts and minds that can be well, even though there's pain. And so when it's very strong pain, that's often not quite within reach. And so we work more with working with the body and working with mental activity. You might not be able to get into a gladdened state because there's just so much. I have, I've had, a, had had a lot of physical pain and it's really, I've had to just work with other, it's just been more productive to work with other parts of this practice, but they've been great. So perceiving the pain and then calming the activity around the pain, perceiving PT that's happening in my hand, even though there's a lot of pain in my shoulder and down my spine, some parts of me are not in pain. So I grow a relationship to them and then I learned to kind of calm down all the mental activity. What happens if this pain never stops and this pain is destroying my practice? Not helpful. Calm down. Calming down the areas around the pain. So there's usually a locus to pain and then there's a secondary holding of the pain, bracing. And sometimes there ends up being a third area that braces the bracing of the pain. And I can begin to relax and bring well-being to the areas around the pain and it reduces the amount that the pain is taking up. So working with pain, and then there can come a time, and I'm saying this after 15 years of chronic fatigue, I, from this moment, I'm grateful for all of it. But that was seven years of graphic pain, and during that graphic pain, I, there was not a lot of gladdening. So I had to work on other areas, but, I have size and scope of heart and mind now that I can hold a lot more pain than I could. So I don't do a lot of the secondary um, agitation around the primary pain. So that's a, that's a very short answer to a big topic. But, yeah. Is that true of emotional pain? Yeah. If you, if, I've, I've had periods of grief that there was no gladdening. It's just, I was just, it was, I had to be, it was, I had to be honest with myself that gladdening the heart and the mind 
just was not really authentic. And the only way I could gladden would be to squash the grief and it was too discordant. And so I used breathing to actually be with, and using breathing to be with the four foundations of mindfulness, learning about grief, more than trying to follow these 16 steps to, so you're gonna run into reality with these <laughs> 16 steps. They can do what they can do and they grow over time, but um, there is an underlying organic process as well that we have to work with. So let's, uh, let's practice this. If you wanna stand for a second, um, just to make sure that you have some capacity for uh, sitting for a half hour. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.